Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week, it's all on black. My mind, where I hold you. My move. I'm stealing. It's my move. You don't get to keep the moves. It's my move. This is As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. I'm David Anthony, who invents moves and then has his co-host steal them from him. I've always fancied myself as, you know, if if you and I were a tag team, Uh I would be the loudmouth, and you would be the heavy, and you would come in, you would clean house, and then I would get the pin, and then I would look into the camera and say, I did it. And I did it all by myself. This seems totally right. Yeah, this completely checks out to me. It, it's 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 our dynamic. It's yeah, great. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's beautiful. It's working. It's great. Thank you. If you're returning, thank you. If you're checking this out for the first time, this is As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about a different Alkaline Trio song. We've got the band's career mapped out into four playlists. Why four, Tim? Why four? I'll tell you why four, David Anthony. First, we've got a playlist that comprises Asian Man Records. Second, we have Vagrant. And third, we have Post Vagrant. And then the fourth, the fourth, the fourth remains. Everything that's after the 2000 compilation, just various tracks, some solo stuff. And now we're on playlist number two, Vagrant Records. We hit shuffle, and look at what we got. This, All on black. If this is your first time listening, boy, you picked a, a great song to start with, let me tell you. This is, I mean, it's the centerpiece of one of my favorite Alkaline Trio records, Good Morning. Agreed. It is such a solid track, and it's such a great build. That first half of Good Morning is really, like, arguably, like, the best half of a record that this band ever did. I think that's fair. That's fair to say. I mean, it's it's one of those albums that like to me it just feels like such a piece where like there's not really it, the, the weak spots are so minimally weak compared to whatever else. Yeah. But the highs are so fucking high and they really came out guns blazing on this thing. Uh the sequencing of this record I think is really incredible. Yeah. And just like uh, yeah, this song in particular is is one that I've always really enjoyed. Track number five, um, and when this record came out, the band had a performance on Conan O'Brien that night. Was they, that their network television debut? Um, it might have been. I would assume because I don't think they did any like they might have done some like MTV Two or like Fuse or whatever right. type of thing before, but I don't think they. Uh, had been on like an NBC or anything. Well, it's point. wild to consider too that you know in the span of only a couple years, you go from the release of From Here to Infirmary, and then you go to the release of Good Morning. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense that they're playing on a show like Conan O'Brien yeah. the night that the record's coming out. Yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely one of those things. Like this record feels much bigger, like in kind of every conceivable way. Yeah, you know, like I feel like the artwork you know whether you love it or hate it is much more clearly defined it's much more they're working in aesthetic they aren't they aren't just guys wearing t-shirts and jeans they're like wearing suits now they're wearing suits it's a it's a camera shot from below it's like the aesthetic they've always had a very very sharp aesthetic but at this point it's like it's glossy it's big like this is a big 
rock and roll band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're playing on Conan O'Brien, day of the release. You should go and watch this video. Matt Skiba with his Avril Lavigne tie. Mm-hmm. And he's his, got the, uh, what is it? The His strap is like leopard spots. Yeah. And he's got like these weird like striped wrist things. There's a lot going on aesthetically on his end there it's a a little busy it's very 2003 yes um but it was surprising that they did this song because we've had enough was the single yeah it's really interesting to me because i feel like um we can talk about this more in the we've had enough episode but i remember q101 the local chicago like alt rock station at the time Uh debuting we've had enough and they played it on the radio and as you may recall the hook to that song is please turn that bleeping radio off yeah uh i'm not much for profanities uh but uh <laughs> so they play it and i remember the dj coming in after and he's like well that was uh we've had enough i don't even know why we played that song because about turning the radio off yeah. and it also has you know the f word in the chorus and i wonder if the label was like maybe don't yeah maybe do don't that, do that one it's easy to edit it out for you know a radio spot but in terms of live performance, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And also, like, it's interesting that they then picked All in Black. It's like, can you uh, do the one with the upside down cross thing in it? Can you? Right, right. <laughs> like, I mean, granted. The one about murder. Granted, there's, like, not a lot of songs, especially of Matt's, that, like, don't kind of have that bent on this right. record. But, like, it's definitely kind of strangely subversive in a way. It is. It is. And it's very dark. And it's, it's you know, it's totally befitting to, like, the turn towards the darkness that this band who was already like all all into like weird satanic imagery and shit like that but they really really went for it well i mean not i mean it's that and it's also like in that performance you look at derek's kick drum and it's their logo but as a pentagram right like Uh they were they were leaning hard on that uh visually which i'm fine with it's totally it's totally dope and and you know good reference to um a, a later performance of this song, this time a David Letterman, uh-huh. um, which I don't know the time difference. It's maybe six months or something along those Somewhere lines. Somewhere in there. But they are decked out in full black. There's no lights on. Matt looks like a vampire. He's He's kind of got like a weird like light blue, like Robin's egg blue shirt on though uh-huh. and like heavy makeup. Yeah, they're all heavily made up. Yeah, which like was their look at the time. Um and was a lot of people's look at the time. Yeah. Um, such an interesting time. Yeah. I mean, it's like around the same time Green Day got deep into eyeliner. And yeah. This, is, this was just the aesthetic of that period of time. But that performance, I would say, I would say the Conan O'Brien one, not that live performances on TV are mixed especially well. That one sounds really bad. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just like the YouTube upload, but it doesn't sound great. The Letterman one sounds markedly better, but it features one of my favorite things that, has ever happened in the history of, of the Alkaline Trio is they're performing live on national TV. They're coming out of the bridge of All on Black. Matt's strumming, and he just kind of holds out a note, and then a pick slide happens. He doesn't do it, but through the loudspeaker, you just hear a pick slide. And that's kind of a beautiful metaphor for this era of Alkaline Trio yeah, to me. Absolutely. A little, a little peek behind the curtain. If you want more, you should read Laura Jane Grace's book. On this, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. The subject is, is uh, you know, a, a point of contention. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this is, a, this is a real point where this band 
fully embraces the idea of making it a little bit more than the sound of a trio. Yeah, and I think... You know, this is definitely, I think, the dropping off point for a lot of the old heads for the people who had been there from the beginning. Like, I I think Infirmary kind of made that a little shaky for some people. And I think this record really pushed people over the edge. But to me, I think they did it effectively. And I think this song in particular is one of the better, subtler versions of them adding more production, adding some more flair, sounding a lot bigger without, you know, trying to sound like a different band. Right, because you have a really, really well-placed organ in the verses, mm-hmm. which is you know a little cheesy, but it's totally befitting. There's definitely more than two guitar tracks going on this one. Totally, and I think you know that's something Matt really embraced around the early two thousands. I would say the post uh, infirmary era. Yeah, you know you see it on the split with Hot Water Music. You see it on this. You see it on the split with One Man Army and moving forward. Um, he kind of sheds that later on, but you know, in this period, he was really kind of writing two guitar parts for a lot of the songs. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a lot of activity going on there and it really just like, it gives everything a boost, you know, rather than having like doubled, doubled guitars for every song, which is kind of just like standard fare if you're a three piece, Mm -hmm. this is intricate guitar work but you know matt is no like shredder or anything like he's that. no ingve j malmstein exactly yes um but so, he's a rising force in his own right stop so everything Yngwie. you get on here is you know it's all pretty similar it's all like you know rooted down in the same spot with the you know a limited range mm-hmm, of uh, sure. of different types of chord inversions and things like that but it's definitely like a thickening and it's you know it, it makes it feel bigger and well it's he ma- it makes it feel bigger and i think you know even the main riff to this this song uh-huh. which is not particularly difficult it feels like an evolution of what he started on back in god damn it where definitely. he was moving chords around a lot he was maybe sticking in a position and just moving his fingers around to get different voicings out of a similar root note and you really see that here, but it sounds big. Yeah. You know, where where maybe some of the goddamn it or maybe I'll catch fire stuff, though I don't need to say I love that stuff, it sounds a little leaner. Uh-huh. Th- this is a very calculated version of that, a, a normal evolution of it, and kind of makes it so this is the type of song you want to, you could pick up a guitar and kind of play around on and, and be like, oh, this is, this is cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not too difficult, but it, it, it sounds, it, it evokes a mood very well. Definitely. And this song kind of like bursts through right away and then does something which like doesn't really happen all too often, especially in the beginning stages of this band where it just stops. And yeah. the first verse of this song is just like very slow, very prodding. All Matt's really doing is like hanging out on mm-hmm. chords and letting Derek and Dan kind of put the mood down. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I always find opening with a chorus a very cheap route. Uh-huh. But I think this song does a good job of establishing a hook that is musical Yeah, first and foremost, which I think is really, really strong. So when they break it down and... You know, Matt's holding out those chords, and and Derek's really carrying a lot of weight throughout the song, but particularly in this verse, his kind of just very, his drum roll is not 
a traditional just like da 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 da. You yeah, know, he's totally. really getting a nice voicing that fits just the mood of what Matt is saying. It's a really, really great like understanding from his spot because that's not that's not utilized very often, that sort of like march and that's kind of mm-hmm. what the what the first verse of the song really feels like and that's kind of punctuated by that walk up that happens on the second and fourth uh turns of of the phrase that uh dan does with his bass and it's mm-hmm. also punctuated by Derek hitting it on the bass drum and i think that there's a sim- uh cymbal hit there yeah as well mm-hmm. but you know it's it's a prodding little first verse that kicks right back into that intro riff and then it goes back and it's still locked down a little bit but it's Mm -hmm. not held in that role yeah it's more it's got a little bit more of a groove to it yeah there's much more of a groove happening and that part is where i think you know matt's starting to play a little more just kind Uh of like articulating the chords a bit and i really think dan is building that nicely because we talked about in the armageddon episode yeah about how that song feels all like incline this song has a bit of that in spots specifically that second verse into the pre-chorus into the chorus Uh uh-huh and at the very end but this one like you can tell like they're you know they aren't really just giving you the chorus they aren't just giving you a hook this doesn't feel you know, talking about why it feels so weird on a network TV show. This isn't a verse, chorus, verse, chorus song. It it is. It is, yeah. But not in a traditional sense. There's no immediate payoff, right? And I think that that's like it's 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 the sign of growth from mm-hmm. this band, and that's you know it's something that they have yet to employ. And what you're what they're sitting on is a really really good musical riff like a really good chorus line mm-hmm. that they have there that's they hold back on it and they hold back with intention because as this song builds you get more and more release that comes from the open spaces mm-hmm. and then gets punctuated home by a really really good outro riff and the choruses pop out a lot too yeah, yeah. i mean i think this is just one of those songs where you know when people you know who maybe fell off I understand why this doesn't feel like the band that they first fell in love with because so much of early Alkaline Trio is just like kind of instant gratification to a certain degree. You know, they come in, the riff hits, you know, or Matt singing a hook pretty quickly. Yeah. This one, there's, you know, it's a little more deliberate. It's a little more refined and it it takes its time kind of getting up that hill. So you really have to want to be with it. And if you're looking for something to not like about it, I understand why people are like, oh, fuck this. Yeah, totally. But when when you break it down, you know, they're making really informed choices and they're at the level where all three of them at this point, I think, are really understanding how to play together. Yes. You know? Definitely. And I mean, Derek, this is Derek's first record with the band. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely one of his best performances. There's so much that he's doing to punctuate whatever Matt is singing about on this, you know, talking about those roles and stuff like that. But when it gets bigger, Derek is throwing in all sorts of really, really smart fills, uh, great bell hits, great Tom hits, just Mm -hmm. like tiny little accents just throughout this song. Yeah. He's just knocking out of the park. I mean, that's the thing is I feel like, you know, uh, one way to delineate eras of Alkaline Trio is, 
easily just by drummers obviously but i think you know there's a certain part of like older fans who who kind of shit on Derek for not being glenn or not being mike but i think the big difference is like Derek is the best player out of all of them and he does the same types of things that those two would do before him but he's such a good player and so good at his instrument that it never feels like it's coming off the rails every hit he makes no matter how fast no matter how kind of weird always feels deliberate and i think this song really showcases that yeah totally and i think that like i think that Derek kind of gets lumped in to really like turns that are more more to do with matt Mm -hmm. and you know this is this song for me is a really really good example of all of the things that that are bad for matt skiba (laughs) employed perfectly and just like punctuated so so well his lyrics first of all this song is not about anything yeah it's really not about a thing. It's not inspired by an event. It might be inspired by a feeling and not feeling great. <laughs> but there's there's no clear like narrative to this. There's no clear moment that like really spawns what this song is about. Maybe there's a murder. I don't know. Maybe he's a vampire. Who knows? I mean, there's but, not even really characters <laughs> right. in this song, to be real. But, um, you know, one of the things that I was really turned off on uh from here to infirmary and get like excruciatingly turned off after um you know crimson is matt's sort of reliance on imagery on empty cliches but on this song he throws down some images and some cliches that don't they don't act as if they're the subject of the song but they just help to punctuate a feeling mm-hmm. and they're employed so smartly that you kind of just fall for them. I, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that at all. It, it definitely feels like him kind of building what he's been building to all along, right? Like there's so many lines on early Alkaline Trio records that are kind of like, uh, what I'll refer to is like the mic drop moment where like, right. that's the line people uh-huh. love. That's the line people sing along with. And sometimes he just throws those in at the start or in the middle of a section. These much like, you know, kind of the song itself, he's always building to them in each verse and chorus. Absolutely. And, and there's a moment in every verse and every chorus. Yeah. That's just like, that is really good. It Like I can see why someone would be like, Oh, it's a little cheesy, but I think his, his delivery and he's just got the right balance of like kind of just like plain spoken symbolism. Yes. That I think on this song serves him so well. Right. And I think that, you know, being slightly overwrought, it's really helpful in this sense that he says something like every time I salivated over you, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really, really good phrase. And that's got a really, really nice like syllabic delivery. And it's it's just corny enough that it would probably piss people off, but if you're into it, it's fucking great. I mean, yeah, and I think that presages, you know, the the crucifix line. It's so fucking good. Yeah, and it's like, it shouldn't be. No. On, on paper, right. that should be really cheesy, but the way he delivers it yes. and builds to it is really fantastic, and it's just it's such a simple image that, like, you know, he's... You know, you could argue that he's maybe leaning on it a little too hard, but just the way he they 
build to that together as a unit yeah is really impressive absolutely and i think that part in particular like you know Derek doesn't do anything in the space between mm-hmm. the first pre-chorus and the chorus. In this spot, he hits that fill that is fucking perfect. Yep, because it's almost like just a fill backing up Matt. Yeah, it almost feels like the band shrinks down to put focus on this line, and he uh-huh. just rockets it into the chorus. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, there's definitely, like you said, some cliches in it. But the way he deploys them here, specifically in the chorus of, you know, hasn't rained in years. Uh um, I just think there is something about it that like, like you said, this isn't really about anything, but I think it really speaks to that kind of a feeling he's tried to express a lot on From Here to Infirmary of feeling very, you know, cast off, kind of like a misfit, kind of like whatever. And I think the way he picks these certain things are so you know, all encompassing Yeah, that like, it's kind of, if you're a fan of this band and like this song, it's kind of hard to not have it hit you at least some sort of right. Way. Exactly. Because the meaning, you know, that's why it's a cliche. It's because everybody understands what he means mm-hmm. by it. But you know, when it's, when it's delivered with such desperation, when it's delivered, you know, it, within such a nice melody and a really good, like driving guitar saying something like it hasn't rained in years, like really does evoke something and it really does communicate something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I, I just think we've talked before, mentioned before how, you know, Skiba can't always write a great bridge. Right. But this song has a fucking great bridge oh, that follows so that. so good. There's so much of this song that just seems to just like, you know, it just flows into each other. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good bridge that's just like, yep, that's smart. Well, it, and, and Dan's backing vocals in that. Right. Just really, really shows his growth and his ability to, you know, say the exact same thing, but evoke a different kind of feeling out of it. Absolutely. And it's, I don't know, that that part through the very end probably contains my favorite line in the song, which they finish on. Uh-huh. And I think the way they ride it out is, is just so confident. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that, that, uh, that kind of go home riff, that's a really good, like, driving away you know, not looking back type of mm-hmm. riff. That's 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 exactly yep. what that that line is about, and exa- exactly what that that fucking riff executes. It's just like that's how you end the song. I mean, it's the end of Thunder Road, right, right. there. It's, oh, it's totally. The, it's, it's the throws down that line, mm-hmm. and then boom, we're yeah. off. And, and like, there's like this explosion, and it's kind of got the same thing. Whereas like you know, Thunder Road's got a little more of the orchestration to it. Uh-huh. This with like kind of the organ and kind of the ascending parts in it you really get that triumphant feel out of a song that's really dark and really kind of like, just like kind of. What's it's the- super moody. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, something that we haven't touched on, I think you know, throughout this song is that this is, this was not a good time for Matt Skiba's voice. No, but there's no better way this song could have been performed than with the just exhaustion that's coming out of him. Well, yeah. I mean, you see that in both the Conan and Letterman performances. The Conan yeah. one, he, his voice is much more raw than the Letterman one, which came later. But, like, you know, it's it's no secret that, like, he had a fuck ton of trouble recording this um, for a lot of reasons for recording this record. And I think this song 
is the one where you hear it most. Yeah. Because, you know, he's always been able, even from the early days, to be able to hold the line, hold out a phrase, hold out a syllable with such power. And here you can hear it breaking. Yeah, it's just straining on Mm -hmm. every hold. But I think that there's maybe an understanding as they're doing this because that uh, Dan backup that you point out, it's the only backup that Dan really point that Dan really does in this song. Every other backup vocal is done by Matt. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because Matt is like his voice it's so raw, but it's so perfect for this song that he just like kinda has to be the one that does it. Well, you know, I don't wanna like get too ahead of ourselves here, but I will say there's a charm about um what I would say are the two best Alkaline Trio records in my estimation. And they are both that the vocal performances were basically created under duress. Yeah. Both times Matt, where on God Damn It, Dan had to record backups and then go on tour, and then Matt had to figure it the fuck out, and uh-huh. it creates all these interesting voicings. And then on Good Morning, so much of it is him backing up himself out of basically sheer necessity. Yeah. Because it would sound fucking weird if his voice was that raw and just basically like, shredded yeah and then you have dan who has a much more smoother vocal Uh underneath it like that would make no fucking sense and i think there's a real desperation in his performance on this record because like you can tell he fucking wants it yeah you know he's putting himself through this shit to make it and i understand why you know maybe he doesn't like that but i think that's fucking great yeah i mean it's 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 hard to it's hard to feel anything other than like the pain that this person is going through. And mm-hmm. I think if you were actually going through that pain, it probably fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's gotta be like no worse feeling in the world than like, Oh fuck. Like we could be a really big band. Yeah. We're recording this record. Like we have more time, more e- anything than we've had before. We got this batch of songs and Oh fuck. I can't sing them. Yeah. You know, like that's a unique kind of like terrible to live through. I mean, that's, a, that's your baby. That's your, that's your, that's like George Costanza's hands. Like uh-huh. he needs those. You know, you mentioned um, this song and thinking about it in terms of like the old school fans. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where they drop off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you and I were both young enough mm-hmm. and wide eyed enough to take this phase of the band fully in stride totally i was so excited for this album to come out i remember getting it the day of i remember like watching those live performances on different things like i was so stoked because after infirmary is when i started really like seeing the band a lot more and just like following them really closely you know and this record coming out like it was definitely different it definitely took me a couple listens to kind of get it because it had such a stark image but you know this record and i would say this song in particular is really the start of phase two yeah, of Alkaline Trio. Totally. I think some people would argue earlier, but I think this is really the moment where like they've got their third drummer, you know, they've got their lineup really, you know, congeals here and all comes together. And this song to me has always symbolized like this is them taking what they started six years prior. Yeah. And taking it to its logical end it's you know most layered it's most ornate version of that right and everything that comes after that is ultimately in pursuit of or a deviation from that moment yeah i mean absolutely and i think that you know 
from the perspective of someone who also like I went to Best Buy on my lunch break mm-hmm. and bought this and I you know I went with with my friend who bought one for himself and one for his little sister who mm-hmm. didn't have off campus lunch but it, this was kind of a moment too where like you know the bands that you love especially when you're in high school like you you want them to succeed yes because you want to you they validate you in a sort mm-hmm. of way even yeah. though you still don't want anybody else to know who they are the yes. the fact that like they're performing on conan o'brien is like yeah that's right that's my fucking band mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. and and seeing them take you know already like pre-existing parts that i was so in love with and really on good morning widening that lens just a little bit to just invite like bigger sounds Matt like had this larger scope in what he was talking about in his imagery and it was just all clicking and it was just all feeling like so much bigger. And this was probably the era that I saw the Alkaline Trio the most was mm-hmm. right after this record came out. And it felt like this is this is like my band and they're breaking. They are totally. huge now. I it was definitely one of those moments where I feel like you know, a lot of my friends got into him with Infirmary, but I feel like this is the one where everyone was like a fucking fan. Like, yeah. This is the one where I think people were really rooting for them in that same way. That weird thing where you're like, you still want to own the thing. Yeah. You still want to be into the cool shit no one knows about, but you want to see him on TV. Yeah. Totally. You want to, it's, it's like you said, it's that sense of validation. And I think like, that's, what's so interesting because I think for a certain part of fans, this was that. And for then maybe a slightly older part of fans, this was like, fuck them. They're yeah, not, you know, totally. And like, I get it. It's like, I it's get like it. Everything, everything that we're so into and we've like always been into about this song. I can see anybody who, you know, saw them at the Fireside Bowl in 1998 being like, fuck that, man. Totally. Because I absolutely did that. Five years later, sure. When I was just sure. like, you know what, this this shit is this is this doesn't mean anything. Absolutely. And this is you know, it's the same critiques that I had then could be applied here, but at the same time, I just see this song is is put forth and it's it's executed so perfectly mm-hmm. that if you didn't like it, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's all I got for that one. Um, so. We got to get to the the crucial point here. We've talked it up. I think people can get a sense of where we're heading. But Tim, what do you rate this? Five one? out of five, baby. I've given a lot of these. Yeah, but we've. This re- is my second five out of five. True, I think I'm only one more ahead of you. But to be fair, you know when a song is this good, like this is a song that. Has meant a lot to me. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's got to get you know five crucifixes out of five for me. <laughs> so if you like what we're doing here, rate it, subscribe to it, write a review. You don't have to do it in that order. Yeah, in fact, that's not the most logical order. But hey, we're on Twitter. He's at DB Anthony. I'm at Better Yet Pod. Talk to us. Tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Mm-hmm. 
anything like that, you know, it's been dope hearing from you. The people that have found us that are hitting us up about it, that's fucking awesome. It means so much. David and I both have other podcasts, No Plus Ones. On a brief hiatus, but we'll be back. We'll be back. Better yet, we never take breaks except for this week. But And holidays. <laughs> and holidays. And when you don't want to do it. Which is never. I always want to do it, and I always want to do this with my guy David here. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. We will see you next week. I'll soon be sleeping sound as soon as this podcast is done.